welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth full truth ultimate guide to roids gives you the keys to the lamborghini gives you the information and lets you decide what to do with it it's a crime this information has been suppressed this long now let's get on with the podcast hey bro welcome back to the steroids podcast i want to talk to you about something really important quickly before we get into the questions and that is that if you're listening to this podcast I want you to pause the podcast now, go to steroidspodcast.com, www.steroidspodcast.com, and sign up for the pop-up VIP email list so that I have your email and I can reach you in case of internet censorship. So we all know that the type of stuff that I'm talking about, there's a lot of powers that be that don't want this kind of information being said and want this kind of information to be silenced. So, for example, I've had my YouTube channel um, with around 20,000 subscribers on it deleted in the past. And that was uh, with no warning, okay? They just came and deleted it, okay? So those 20,000 people or 15,000 people, it was somewhere in that range uh, that I was, you know, contacting and were able to get the information not able to get the information anymore. Uh, so for you guys, if you like the podcast and you're listening to it, make sure to go to steroidspodcast.com. That's the website for this podcast right now. Pause the episode and go do that and sign up. There's a pop-up that will come up after you're on the site for like 20 seconds or 15 seconds or something. And it'll say the VIP list, the steroids podcast, VIP email list, sign up for that. So I have your email. So if my shit, ever get censored, I can still contact you and tell you, hey, here's a new episode that come out or something like that, right? Because that's a big part of like using the internet. I got to have a way like, you know, here's me making this stuff and I got to have a way that I can feel like, okay, I can communicate with you now. So there's you on the other side of this. I'm on this end, you know, and imagine that we're doing one of those things where you got the cup and you you get a uh, you cut a hole in the bottom of the cup and you put a string through the cup and then you know you throw that over to your friend's house the other end of the string and your friend he pulls it in his window and you know he cuts out the bottom of a cup and puts the string into his cup and so then you both are holding a cup with a string between your houses and if you talk into that cup the freaking string communicates what you're saying the sound through the freaking string to the cup in the other guy's house and so you listen in with the cup and speak to the cup like a freaking telephone and that string like even a cloth string will pick up the freaking sound okay so that's what i'm doing with you right now because i got this microphone right here and i'm speaking into the microphone we've got to have this set up man that's why i had to go over that you gotta go do the vip email list all right Getting on with the questions. I've been meaning to get to that for like the last 10 episodes, man. I had a lot. I keep on wanting to talk about that thing uh, with the email list. And I keep on forgetting about it. And so, man, I had a lot of pent up, like, uh, I guess, like thoughts and emotions about it. Because, you know, that whole internet censorship thing is really against me. So, but I really like the internet. Like I said, I like that cool thing. You know, the reason why I was talking about the string everything is because I'm talking into this device and then you're like on the other side of the string, you know, with your device, you know, your computer or your Apple iPhone or Samsung or whatever you're listening with. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so it's like we're talking like on that, on that, just like the kid in the string, you know, talking to the friend 
you know, when they're at the different house, like with the telephone, that's like what we're doing right here, but I got to be able to reach you. So that's why I was talking about that. So that's why we've got to get that done. So getting on with the questions. All right. The first one is how to prevent a muscle tear. Now I've never torn a muscle. Um, and you know, having experience with tearing a muscle would probably uh, help you know more. Uh, so I would talk to some people that tore muscles as well. Uh, but for me, one of the reasons why I have never torn a muscle is because when I lift weights, I make sure that I'm in control of the weight the entire time that I'm lifting. Okay. So, uh, you know, this is really common to see when people bench press is they, the bar, if, uh, if I was going to talk about the speed of the bar when they bench press, you know, so say they've got it held up, they just unrack the bar and they go like down, up, down up so it's like the the part where it goes downwards towards their chest is like pretty damn fast and then it's like slowly going back up towards the top position again with the triceps extended so that is not how to lift weights you guys that is the opposite way of lifting weights like when i see this i'm like i'm i'm like oh man like you got to change you got to change dude cuz so I don't want to hurt anybody's egos. You know what I'm saying? But like, if you, if you're doing this thing where you're going like down, uh, like slowly like that, you got it. You just got it. Next time you just got to decide, Hey, I'm just going to do it differently from now on. You know, even though I have to use less weight, you just got to freaking change doing that, man. Cause it's no good. It's no good. It's not helping you at all. So that eccentric part of the movement, that's where, you know, the stretching part of the movement. That's where you like get your muscle growth from and like the muscle stimulation. So if you're going through that part and like kind of dropping it down to your chest and then pushing it up slowly, you're like taking out the part where you really stimulate the muscle fibers and get them to like grow back bigger and stronger and take up the nutrition from your food. It's like, it's just like the worst, the worst. Every time you want to push it up, so that you can do another stretch under control again. Because that's the part that actually does what you're in the gym. That's the most important part, right? The other part works a bit, but it's like a, a ratio of like two-thirds to one-third, right? That part where you push it back up, that's like one-third of where the stimulus is. Or maybe a little less, you know? That stretching part, boom! That shit where you stretch it and you let it, the chest stretch, putting it down to your chest. And then you can hold it there and you can comfortably hold it at your chest pause for one second like literally one second just like one one thousand and then boom up so the cadence is like stretching 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 pause on the chest boom up stretching 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 pause on the chest boom up that is like the cadence of how you should be doing the bench press uh and so every you know you'll be accelerating the weight up uh when you're pushing up okay and when you do that, um, that's going to be making you do a maximal effort on each rep. So, you know, on the last rep, you might grunt a little bit, you know, on a normal set and be like, oh, to get that last rep. Okay, well, on this one, you're going to be grunting on the first rep, like, oh, because you got to push that shit away from you as fast as possible. You got to be because, you know, why would you be pushing it slower? Okay, then you're not moving your muscle. To, you're not taking it to the maximum intensity. If your muscle can move the weight quickly upwards, then you need to be able to take advantage of what your muscle can do to the max, not conserving it so you can do more reps later in the set. No, it's a high intensity exercise. That's what growing muscle is, is increasing your maximal ability. So you got to exercise maximally. So you come down and you come down stretching it. And then the fast part of the movement is when you press it back up. When you press the bench press back up, and your arms are extended with the bar away from you, that's the part where the bar is moving fast. And then the part where it's coming down towards you is where it's moving slow. Okay, and so I think now you understand what kind of control that you should have of the weight when you're weightlifting, okay? And when you do control weights like this, the, you know, joint injuries can still happen, you know, where, where you can, you know, have some joint issues or something, but... Muscle tears, tendon tears, 
Very unlikely, okay? Very unlikely. Because you were in control of the weight and you could stop it at any time in its movement if you wanted to. If you, you probably, you know, you're not, you're not stopping it all the time and shit, but if you wanted to, you could at any time during the movement. Okay? So that's the big thing for muscle tears. And then the other thing to know with muscle tears is that they don't occur or muscle tears like tendon tears, you know, when sometimes the muscle tears like the actual fiber and then other times the tendon tears off of the bone, the tendon that, you know, attaches the, the muscle to the bone so the muscle can pull and like move your arm or whatever. Um, and when I'm talking about bench press with the rep cadence and everything, that was just an example for every exercise, every exercise, the stretch and then the flex. The stretching part should always be slow on every single exercise, completely under control. Stretching, you know, you could stop the weight at any time if you wanted to. And then the part where you uh, flex again and make the muscle shorter, uh, that part should always be fast, as fast as possible. So, um, you know, obviously by, you know, the first rep of the set is going to move faster than the last rep of the set because, you know, you're going to be too fatigued at the end to move it fast anymore. You get, you get it, you get it. And then every single time when you come down for that negative, you never drop the weight down. You always control it at the speed that you could stop it if you wanted to. Okay. That does the most muscle growth stimulus and it prevents the tear because tears only occur on the stretching portion of the movement. They do not occur on the flexing part of the movement. Okay. So you just need to know that that whole thing where you know, that's why I was saying when I first started talking about this, like if you are one of these guys that does the bench press right now, where you go fast down to your chest and then slow pressing up fast down to your chest, slow pressing up. You just got to stop. Like you just got to give that up like right now because it's not worth it. Those those guys are the ones that, you know, that's the part of the movement where muscles tear it's also the same thing like nfl football players american football players you know they tear their pecs quite frequently while they're playing the game and the reason for that is because if you're like blocking someone um or somebody presses on your arm or you make a, a tackle where somebody presses backwards on your arm it's because all of a sudden the the arm is getting stretched backwards uh really quickly right and that's that stretching motion and the quickness of how fast the muscle is being stretched. Those are the two factors that cause like pec tears, for example, but it's for any muscle in your body. It's always on the stretching por portion. And so that's always where the tear happens during the stretching portion of the movement, not during the flexing portion. And then the other, the other thing is that the speed, the speed impacts how much it's going to be how much uh, force is required to make a tear. That's how I the end of how I say to prevent a muscle tear. All right. Next question is from Velvety Adventures. Bro, can you please talk about premature ejaculation and a cure? Most anabolic user community platforms never talk about this. It's too tough to get a solution for this. Yeah, so, you know, steroids definitely affect everything to do with your reproductive system. You know, they even like, uh, you know, they shut off your hormone system taking steroids and then they they take over for you. Basically, they they shut off your reproductive system. You know, make it so that your body doesn't produce any more sperm or testosterone or anything like that. And then, you know, hopefully you're taking the right combination of steroids to, you know, fill in for that and and you know have have a your you know at least some portion of your sexual system come back on and usually testosterone taking testosterone is what does that but sometimes you know on just testosterone only guys libidos come down after a while and then they find out they got to start taking hcg and hcg brings their libido back up to where it should be um but you know pretty much all factors of this process you know that reproductive shutdown and like you know how steroids then can you know how they impact the reproductive system pretty much all of them can be changed they can be fiddled with okay so as far as uh lengthening the amount of time that you need in order to get that like reflexive action where you start to ejaculate 
shoot white stuff. That can be influenced by taking steroids. So generally, proviron um, decreases the amount of time that uh, that takes to happen. And then Masteron also decreases the amount of time that that makes to happen, but also makes the interval between times shorter. Uh, so, so that would be Masteron and Proviron. They have pretty similar effects in that, in that you, uh, you will want to climax more often and be able to. And um, they also like make you come a little bit quicker. Okay, and then there are other ones like Trenbolone, okay? And Trenbolone, ask anybody who's used Trenbolone. Um, you won't have premature ejaculation if you're using Trenbolone, okay? So uh, some people, you know, if they've really had a lot of anxiety about that or something, or that's been something that's caused them a lot of grief during their life, they'll be like, whoa, this is the cure to my <laughs> premature ejaculation, you know, taking Trenbolone. Like, this is great. <laughs> but... uh it, you know, it's they'll think maybe trends good for their their sex life or something. Uh, but I, I promise you, in the end, it won't be after you use it for longer. But you know, that's a real effect of Tremblone is that it does uh, take away premature ejaculation. It basically because it's a reflex, like the ejaculation is a reflex. So basically, they they make the amount of stimulation that has to happen to make that reflex happen um, way more. Uh, like the, the like mental and, and physical whole process uh, in order to make that reflex uh, be triggered. So it basically like desensitizes whatever mechanism is in your brain that triggers that, you know, ejaculation re, uh, reflex. So then the stimulation has to be quite a bit more um, before that reflex get stimulated so it increases the time and pretty much allows you to like choose um when that's going to happen so yeah but there you know there are other ways other than trend there are other ways other than trend um not going to get into it this time because they're they're not steroid ways but there are lots of things that you can do so yeah uh getting on with the next question then is from viral body if I'm 21, is a TRT dose of test for my first real cycle good, or should I step up the dose? I've used Osterine and Rad140 SARMs before. Okay, well, you know, taking a TRT dose of test isn't a first cycle, so I think that you have like re like unrealistic expectations about what steroids can do for you. So a TRT dose dose of test is just replacing your natural testosterone levels. So you really shouldn't feel much different or notice much difference at all. Uh, if you were going to take, if you wanted to like do a cycle, like you said, like a cycle of steroids, which doing a TRT test is not, um, you know, in order to see any gains, uh, you know, that were doing a cycle that during a short period of time, uh, you really need like 500 milligrams of testosterone as a minimum. And even that's not really very strong. Different people will have different results because different people create different blood levels of testosterone from the same milligram amount of injection. And it's quite a wide range where one guy can have double the amount of testosterone in his blood after the same injection amount than another guy. If they both injected the same amount of milligrams, it's different bodies metabolize or destroy, break down uh, hormones at different speeds. So... Uh, that's why uh, there can be some variance in what people say uh, about first cycle. Some guys can have a first cycle experience like 250 milligrams of testosterone. Occasionally, this is, this is unusual, but there is some people out there where they respond uh, like quite a bit on that you know, low dosage for that first cycle. Um, so there's some a bit of un a bit of not clarity there because usually the experience is that that doesn't happen. But then there is this odd man out every once in a while. There's one of these guys where they do, you know, have quite good uh, benefits from something like 250 milligrams per week. But it's really rare. Like one of one of 50 or or less probably is like that. It's 
not something that the average guy experiences on his first cycle. So you've already used SARMs. Dude, that's going to be stronger like than, than TRT. Like SARMs, if you're t- the one you said was Rad 140, which I've, I've never used that, but I've used Austrian and I've also used LGD. Um, and both of those are like steroids. They're like moderate. They're like on the weaker side of moderate steroids. Um, pretty much everybody that I've known who has used LGD 4033 before they uh, did a testosterone cycle for their first cycle, everybody says the LGD was stronger. Basically, every single person uh, says that it was stronger than 500 milligrams of testosterone per week. And then when I was on it, though, to me, it was felt more like 300 milligrams. So I went off of testosterone and I was on LGD and uh, an S23. Yeah, because I, I was off of testosterone. And then when I was off of testosterone and I was on that, um, you know, I could feel that I was on something, but my body started like kind of deteriorating a little bit, right? Cause it was only on SARMs and no testosterone. And so then I added this, those testosterones back in. And, uh, then I was on a thousand milligrams, thousand, 250 milligrams of testosterone a week with some LGD 4033. And then it was, it was working good. So it was working. My cycle with the testosterone was working better with the LGD than not. Okay. Uh, and definitely, uh, there's no question about it. So they do work. However, they don't replace steroids. And I definitely noticed my body deteriorating a bit when I use them without steroids. SARMs. But uh, with your experience, bro, the TRT dose of test for your first real cycle ain't going to make you feel shit. So, yeah, I'd step up the dose. You've used Austrian and RAD 140. How about you start, if I were you, I would start out my first cycle with like testosterone and an oral steroid or testosterone and like testosterone and Tremblon. I know a lot of people say, what the hell? Dude, my first cycle, I did testosterone for the first month. And then after that, I said, fuck it. I'm using trend. (laughs) How many guys have said that? Fuck it. I mean, that's a meme. Fuck it. I'm using trend. Fuck it. I'm using trend. Next question is from Mo. Question for the podcast. What happens if you accidentally inject air intramuscularly? I have pharmaceutical grade testosterone, but sometimes I can't get all the bubbles out. Yeah, that's kind of a question, huh? When you're like not quite so used to injections. Yeah, you try to get all the the air out. So what you do to do that is you face the syringe with the needle on it uh, towards the ceiling. So up. And then you start like tapping the barrel of the syringe or flicking it where like the oil is. And that like makes the water or the, the, sorry, the oil, the steroid oil, then the air bubbles kind of like go through it up to the top. And then once the air bubbles are at the top from you, like flicking the syringe or whatever, then you can like press them out, you know, out at the tip of the, the needle or the, the tip of the syringe and get them out of there. But if you can't get all the air bubbles out, and, you know, there's still a little bit in there, like a quarter milliliter of air or something. Personally, I don't worry about that. Uh, so definitely having a little bit of air bubbles in there or like, you know, a little bit of air in there or something like a quarter milliliter or something. Never had a problem with it. Never known anyone who's had a problem with it. OK, so that's my answer to that. Is that an official medical answer? No, it's not. But, you know. Never known anyone who's had a problem with that. And uh, there's also a difference between injecting air into a vein and into a muscle. Because if you inject a bit of air into a muscle, like, I mean, I guess that the concern is, you know, having a bubble of it um, in your in your bloodstream and having that go through your heart or something, which, yeah, that could that could happen if you inject air into a vein because then it goes right into your heart. And, uh, you know, that's not good. But if it's in your muscle and it's got to go through all this shit to get back uh, to your heart, I don't think you got much to worry about. So I've never had a problem. Never known anyone who's had a problem. All right. Next question is from Zach who asks, 
Can people sense someone with elevated hormone levels, such as how humans pick up on pheromones? Does that have any correlation? I would say, yeah. I can definitely, like, people on steroids are just different than people who aren't on steroids. Like, just being around them, it's, it's just a bit different. Um, one thing that you notice is their eyes. So that's probably, like, the most prominent thing is people who take steroids, their eyes seem like way more intense uh, all the time. So when you're talking to them, there can be, it, it just seems like they're a little bit tense or serious, or it has some kind of, kind of an effect where it can make you feel a little bit of stress, actually, when you're talking to, to people who are on, you know, a lot of steroids or, you know, a lot of steroids for them. Uh, to where they're because it, it like hypes you up so i'm not sure exactly it, like what it is about the face and the eyes that change but i'm sure it has to do with adrenaline because like your adrenaline levels are always a little bit higher when you're on steroids and you know obviously when somebody's like you know really pumped up and like has a lot of adrenaline like obviously they just seem a bit more intense and uh you know pumped up a bit um you know, even if they're not a muscular person and just having that, that that's really what it looks like. Actually a higher adrenaline level, like a higher resting adrenaline level. That's the thing with the eyes. I think I figured this out while I was talking just now about how to explain it to you. And the thing with the eyes is, yeah, it's, it's a higher adrenaline level. Their resting adrenaline level is higher. And this, this is pretty common with steroid users and you can see it and you can feel it because that feeling it transmits to you and you think, oh, this, it could make you feel a little bit tense, something like that. Like, cause they seem like they're hyped up. They're wired, <laughs> slightly wired. And if you take the right steroids too, they can seriously wire you. Like if you take really high dosages of testosterone up to like two grams per week or so, or if you take a ton of proviron or like a ton of androl and winstrol, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, like uh, at least a hundred milligrams a day of multiple of those at the same time. Uh, so, and then like a ton of testosterone too, like, you know, maybe you're taking a gram and a half of testosterone and then you're taking a hundred milligrams of provirium per day and a um, hundred milligrams of anadrol and a hundred milligrams of winstrol per day along with that, you know, like, dude, you will be like seriously hyped, seriously hyped. Uh, yeah. Like you will feel like the steroids, are i mean you will be shaking you will see a tremor in your body uh like you're when you walk downstairs you'll get a bit of a tremor like in your knee you'll, you'll feel it as you kind of lower yourself down or like when you look at your hands or, or even like people like your girlfriend or your family or something or people just in general if they see you reach out to grab like a fork or grab something like when you're eating together with other people you know and they see your arms stretched out they might say something like like oh you're shaking a little bit or like why are you shaking a little bit what's wrong or something like that um because it causes you know when you have adrenaline it causes this little like tremor tremor and yeah taking like those those steroids especially testosterone especially trenbolone especially anadrol especially dianabol um i mean dianabol if you take 100 milligrams and just bomb it um you visibly like start uh getting like kind of red and um and and feeling a swelling feeling in your face and uh feeling irritable and just feeling uncomfortable maybe kind of itchy and and just not good and then yeah you don't feel very good and it really hits you right away um and working out is a good way to deal with it because then you don't really feel those feelings anymore and you feel extra extra energy because you've got this like adrenaline feeling so yes steroids make you feel stimulated and other people can definitely sense it and also there is somewhat of a thing to like steroids help create like the essence of a champion or like the essence of a more um masculine man but they definitely they definitely at the same time they don't make you cool like at all okay they probably make you less cool maybe uh because you're uh, you're like on something and, and it has mental effects and then other people are not. So it makes you a little bit 
less able to like attach or communicate as effectively, you know, similar to like, if you were not definitely, this is exaggerated, but you know, perhaps if you were on coffee and the other person was not, you know, or you were on a little bit of alcohol and the other person was not, uh, something like that. Um, I think that it has a bit of a little effect like that, a very small effect on, uh, making it a little bit harder to communicate because the, the body language is a little bit different. Uh, but man, humans can pick up on it. There's a ton of shit, man. There's a ton of shit. I mean, your whole life changes when you start taking steroids. Like, believe me, man, your whole life changes when you take st- start taking steroids. I've said this before, like male hormones are fucking powerful shit. Like that, there's a reason why this uh, information is like suppressed and you know it's hard to find information and shit because these are powerful freaking drugs and there's like no no information about these things uh that is reliable and that you can find um which is why i wrote ultimate guide to roids my book and which is why i do the podcast uh you know is because this information is it's it's so hard to find okay and it's like this is powerful shit so I don't know the stuff that when I'm talking about the mental effects of steroids and everything, and if you know how it changes your life and everything, like it changes the way that, you know, people interact with you for sure. And, um, you know, like your first impression, it changes, you know, you know, the way you look, it changes the shape of your head and everything. Like, dude, they're really, really, really powerful things. And, uh, you know, change the way that other people feel when they're near you. Um, and they, you know, they also make you think a little bit differently, like ability to focus on one thing, targeting behavior, um, less multitasking ability. Um, like they, they have these effects and, and like confident and even confidence and like the essence of like someone with like more drive or, or like, you know, they say with athletics, the essence of a champion, like it helps create those things somewhat. It does. Um, so since it's only male hormones and basically everyone that gets on male hormones sees how powerful they are and like how, yeah, how powerful they are and how they can like benefit them. That's basically why like everyone like stays on them. It's like I would never want to get off steroids. Why why would I fucking want to get off steroids? They're they're like I'm such a, I'm so much better with them. I'm so much better with steroids. It would fucking suck to have to start using steroids. That would fucking or stop. I don't want that. Okay, I want to use them. I like them. I, I'm dead serious. Like that's just my opinion. Um and so, but that's the opinion of most people who have used them. Like, like just talk to, to guys who have used them. And they all say like, oh, you know, I want to keep using that shit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, it's just male hormones too. And it has effects that are, are uh, you know, not with the way that society likes. You know, they, they don't like you know, too many masculine men out there. That's not good. So there's a lot of pressure trying to suppress this information and steroids are relatively new. You know, it's only in the forties that they started being used, but I'll tell you guys some, you know, early people who use steroids. So Hitler actually took testosterone injections, um, during world war two. He also took meth during world war two. So he was using both of those. Um, President John F. Kennedy took testosterone propionate. Um, a lot of people, guys, a lot of uh, high up people, a lot of high up people have used steroids and testosterone. So steroids, steroids, that word, that powerful word that evokes a response in almost every human on planet Earth. If you say that word steroid oh everyone knows even the street food the person who sweeps the streets or sells the fruit on the streets they know the word steroid because people are fascinated by steroids people are absolutely fascinated okay the next question is from phil who says i'm working through listening to all your podcasts 
so I may as well be in one. <laughs> what benefits of, if any, using Tritren 150 over the straights on their own? Yeah, so Tritren is three different esters of Trenbolone. So remember, an ester, you have a hormone, okay? So Trenbolone is the hormone, and then you have an ester that makes it last longer in the body. So Tritren is 50 milligrams of Trenbolone with three different esters on it. And they each release at different speeds into the bloodstream. So that's the same way that testosterone or sustenon is, is four different esters of testosterone in one vial. So this is three different esters of trenbolone in one vial. So it's like a sustenon version of trenbolone uh, as trenacetate, which comes on really quick. And then it has trenanthate, which is like testinanthate, you know, comes on after a couple weeks. And then they, or a week with trend, it's a little quicker. And they also have trenbolone hexahydrobenzyl carbonate in there, which is the longest ester. That's the kind that was, it used to be a human pharmaceutical product that was made for humans um, in little ampules called parabolin in France. Uh, that was being made um, until 1997. They stopped making that. The, the prescription for trenbolone, the reason it was prescribed was for severely mal, malnourished people. And that's pretty much the way that they use it um, in cows. Now, they use it when the cows are on the train um, going to the slaughterhouse. And like during that catabolic event for them, the cows are on trend. Prevent them from losing their muscle. That's one of the ways that they use it. There's a lot of ways that they use trend and estrogen in cows. There's a lot of hormones, hormones in there. So no reason to eat too much organic beef if you take steroids or organic chicken. Next question is from Smitty. Would you recommend PCTing no matter what after your first cycle? Every forum says this is a, in all caps, must. I know I'm going to do many, many cycles and don't want to waste time. Is there some valuable experience I'm missing by not PCTing after my first cycle? Any health risks? Well, you know, if you're going to do that plan that you have where you are going to do many, many cycles and you're anxious for gains, you say you don't want to waste time, uh, the health risks are actually in PCTing a lot. Because if you keep on taking those PCT drugs, I mean, those things are not healthy. You know, neither, neither injectable steroids other than trend, those are usually not not very unhealthy okay that in general if you're using i'm not saying this is like a complete hard rule okay but if if you exclude trend most of the injectable steroids they're not that unhealthy that like a lot of them you can maintain like perfect blood work on them uh like you know 750 milligrams of testosterone per week yeah like a lot of people can maintain up to a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week perfect blood work on that so Oral steroids are usually toxic, though. They usually, like, always um, hurt your blood work and make your blood work actually look like a mess while you're on them. And then when you're off, it, it goes back to normal. Um, and then also stuff like Nolvidex and, um, you know, aromatase inhibitors, uh, if you're using them, um, you know, with, while you're not on cycle. And, uh, you know, for PCT and Clomid, those things, yeah, they mess up your blood work while you're on them. So... Why would you want to go through this yo-yo anyways of where you're PCTing to get your natural, to get your nuts back, them nuts. And then after, you know, after you got them nuts back, you leave them nuts hanging out of some, you know, your girl a few times. And then, you know, they go bye-bye again because you start another cycle. What the fuck was the point of that? And then they come, you know, you get done with that cycle and leaving them nuts hanging out again. And then they go bye-bye again after another cycle. Like, you know, that, just do what you want to do. You'll find out pretty soon. You'll, you'll find out pretty soon that if you want to get real big, you got to pretty much just stay on. Yeah, you can do cruises. You know, come off for a month or two months. And then you can do some TRT for a little, you know, another month or something and then do another like four month cycle or something and maybe do that twice a year. But like for the most part, it's like 
you're going to be like on, on testosterone or something for most of the time. If you're like really into bodybuilding or like getting big or something like that, you want to be really big, uh, you know, blasting and cruising as they call it, or, you know, just like staying on something most of the time, like at least some testosterone. That's the way, that's the way you got to do it. And a lot of guys that say that they're like completely off, they're lying. Okay. It's not true. Uh, and okay. So people who are like really, really into bodybuilding, they're obsessed with bodybuilding. Okay. Usually that coincides with not having, not being like a really social person, like a really socially aware person. If you look at, and also some of the drugs, you know, like, like tremble and stuff. Like if you look at like pro bodybuilders, they don't seem, they don't seem like normal. Like they have a weird, it's like off the communication. It's off. It, it doesn't seem right. It seems weird. And, um, man, why was I even talking about that? You know what? We're going to move to the next question. If I were you, I'm just going to say this now. I would be on testosterone for most of the time. And I wouldn't be doing a lot of PCTs. Keanu asks, hey, bro, what are the best steroids for a starter like me? Stuff that doesn't give a lot of side effects and is easy to use. And you can just kind of take it and make gains. And then uh, and also, like, you know, get like a performance enhancement effect and like look better while you're on it. Stuff like that. So... That would be like a low dosage of testosterone. For a first cycle, I think a lot of times one or two C, one or two cc's of testosterone, so 250 or 500 milligrams of testosterone with an oral that doesn't turn into estrogen or any other hormones is a good cycle. So something like Anavar or Winstrol or Terinabol, um, those three oral steroids, they don't turn into any female hormones. And when you're on them, they make you stronger, like really quickly within a week. And they make you look better too, um, like pretty quick, like within a week. So, and they don't make you like gain weight. So you don't look like bloated and everything. They make you look better. So doing that, and then you have to not worry about any side effects because they're not making any estrogen. You don't have to take any other extra pills with them or something like that. It's easy cycle. So that's what I recommend for a first cycle is doing something where you get uh you get to satisfy that hunger to be enhanced a little bit. Okay. This next question is from Thorne. He's from the city in California that I went to college in that I went to university. I, I went to university of California, Santa Cruz. And so Thorne says, what's up? I'm a 34-year-old aspiring bodybuilder from Santa Cruz, California, and listen to the podcast religiously. What's up, Thorne? What's up, buddy? I am looking for information on insulin and its relation to growth hormone, dosing and protocols, and why these protocols work best, how, to work, how it works in your body to shuttle nutrients, and how to safely use it without going hypoglycemic. Thanks for everything you're doing. Also, which insulin is best and why? Okay, so insulin question. Yeah, um, so insulin, it's one of the few chemicals that can actually um, kill you in one that's used in bodybuilding in like one dose. So when talking about using insulin, know that you are using something that can kill you. Um, if you use, like you said, getting hypoglycemia, if you use too much without enough carbohydrates, if you get into hypoglycemia, then you can uh, go unconscious into a coma really quickly, um, and then you can like die. So you know, for somebody like Dallas McCarver that had food in his mouth um, and died, it's pretty obvious what was happening: um, hypoglycemia from an in insulin shot, not having enough carbohydrates, trying frantically to uh, load the the mouth with uh carbohydrates because you're going into shock and you know the arms when you go into shock and you're shutting down like that you know, the arms become like flappy fish and the feet and legs too you can't control them so if you've ever got out of bed like with your leg asleep and like fallen over like, uh because you know like you put 
you're when you got out of bed or something uh, this might have happened to you or might not have um in everyone uh, when you get out of bed and the legs asleep you can't use the muscle and so you just fall over and you, then you're like on your side on the floor um so this is the same thing that happens with the insulin when you're going into the insulin coma which can happen really quickly um you know it can happen within minutes um your your arms and your legs uh everything will start to just become like uh like flapping uh with no kind of tension at all on it so if you try to take a step you know to get to the fridge or something like that um you know your leg will just collapse under you and you know you'll be trying to move your arm to reach for something and you're just kind of slapping at it that's what happens when somebody goes into an insulin coma so that's why uh insulin is dangerous because as a worst case scenario that's the consequence of using insulin and then when we're talking about things like steroids or growth hormone you know there there aren't consequences like that um associated with them so when you're using insulin uh just be aware that you're using something that has a much uh higher absolute uh you know the wor what's the worst thing that can happen um you're using something that is more like that and you know what i said all the bad things you know that can happen about insulin also at the same time realize that there are you know millions of diabetic people who have to take insulin every day um and you know they do have lower life expectancies shorter life expectancies than people who are not diabetic um but you know most of them are not dying on insulin every day you know most of them are 100% fine uh however there are a number of them who do die every year in statistics from insulin related accidents so this is this is real it's really a a substance that carries risk with it it really is um as far as using it um the simplest so i'll tell you the mechanism behind why people use it okay um you can choose your you know your dosages and protocols and everything like that um but i'll show you the reason why it works so it increases the amount of igf1 that um goes into your blood your blood level uh when you use growth hormone with it if you use growth hormone alone versus when you use growth hormone with insulin the growth hormone with insulin increases the IGF-1 a lot more than uh growth hormone alone. And then the other reason why you use it is to shuttle nutrients, nutrition across the cell membrane into the muscle cell from the bloodstream into the muscle cell. So every cell, pretty much every cell in your body, but definitely muscle cells and fat cells they have this receptor they have a membrane so the the organelles the stuff inside the cell you know that make the cell work the muscle cell they're inside this like membrane and that's like a like a bubble like if you blow a bubble you put all these little ingredients inside the bubble and those are the organs inside the muscle cell that like make the muscle cell work and then you got this little bubble blown around it okay that's the membrane and so on the membrane there's all these receptors on it and like one of the receptor is the male hormone receptor the androgen receptor and then there's you know another receptor it's an insulin receptor and you know these little receptors are all scattered all over the cell membrane on all your cells and uh when they when they see their their little uh thing that they their stimulator their activator come along they dock with that shit So an androgen receptor docks with steroids molecules. So when it sees that androgen receptor on that bubble around your mu your muscle cell, you know, it's the membrane. It keeps the rest of the stuff of the muscle cell inside. When that androgen receptor docks with a steroid, a male hormone, DECA, Trenbolone, testosterone, Anivar, any of them, then it transmits a message into the nucleus the dna of the cell and tells it there's freaking steroids here man there's freaking steroids and we're going to start making some muscle 
And we ain't losing any muscle. We're not losing any protein. That's what it that's what it signals. That's the result. Okay, so the insulin receptor, there's an insulin receptor on all the cells on the membrane. You know, once that insulin is in the blood and it docks with that membrane, it uh sorry, it doesn't dock with the membrane. It docks with the insulin receptor. It docks with the insulin receptor. The insulin docks with the insulin receptor on the cell membrane. And what that transmits the message is, is open the floodgates, baby. Send in all the nutrition in the bloodstream, all the nutrients in the bloodstream. Just open that shit up, like open sesame. That's what insulin does. And so that's why people say, and why it can create such a huge difference in a physique size, like overnight and shit, is because you can load these people's uh, freaking muscle cells up with all of the nutrients that are in the bloodstream using anabolic windows and using insulin and growth hormone. So basically what happens is you go and do a workout. And when you go and do a workout, the workout makes your muscles get broken down is damaging to the muscles and so then all of these receptors start appearing on the membranes of those muscle cells that were damaged and you know you're using glycogen carbohydrate fuel storage from inside of the muscle cell while you're exercising that's the fuel that it's using to do the exercise so now at the end of the workout the muscle cell then becomes extra sensitive to insulin and the harder you work out the more sensitive to insulin the muscle cell is and the way that it does that is it puts out these receptors on the membranes of the cells of the muscle cells called a glut 4 receptors okay so that makes carbohydrates it enhances carbohydrate uptake into the muscle cell to make more muscle glycogen okay and the more intensity you train with the more of these glut 4 receptors are created on the outside of your muscle cells that allow the glycogen supercompensation to happen and then you got other receptors that are appearing out there like igf like uh igf1 receptors for repairing the muscle okay so now Right when you get done with your workout, okay, you take a growth hormone shot. This is why people, they take the growth hormone to the, the gym with them. You know, you see like Boston Lloyd in his videos, uh, you see him like taking a cooler of like growth hormone and insulin and shit to the gym with him. And then like as soon as he gets to his car, you see him taking shots already. So the, the, he was doing a similar protocol to this because what you do is right when the you get out of the gym that moment you get done training and you you know yeah the moment you get done training you see aha my muscle cells are super sensitive to insulin and they're super sensitive to igf1 they've got all these igf1 receptors out there okay because you know i've just damaged them and depleted their energy storage so you immediately take a shot of growth hormone intramuscularly so that the growth hormone you know goes straight to your bloodstream and what it does then is it actually desensitizes your fat cells to insulin because that's what growth hormone does to when the growth hormone molecule interacts with the uh, growth hormone receptor on fat cells. It, de it desensitizes them to the, uh, to the effects of insulin. And then it also at the same time makes the muscle cells more sensitive to insulin even more, okay? And then it also stimulates those IGF-1 receptors that are on the muscle cells at the same time because it creates IGF-1 from the liver, okay? So then after you take that growth hormone shot, then you start eating sugar, okay? You eat sugar and you eat like whey protein would be a good one right here because it gets in the bloodstream fast. And so then the person loads their bloodstream, okay? They load their bloodstream while they have just done the workout and they've had the growth hormone shot to make the, uh, the insulin sensitivity in the body uh, very extreme, you know? This opens up like a real anabolic window, okay? And then they start loading their bloodstream with sugar and fast-acting protein, okay? And so then their blood gets all full of this shit. Uh, 
And then now, what happens? What happens next? I think some of you guys know. Okay, so about after doing that for 15 to 30 minutes or something, loading up the bloodstream by eating a fast-acting protein and sugar. Okay, now what's the next thing that happens? Transport molecule, okay? So transport molecule is insulin. So insulin then is injected, and what the insulin does is it goes to the muscle cell insulin receptor and says, open sesame. Open sesame. Okay, and now all of the nutritional and energetic contents of the bloodstream are then slam like a pile driver into the muscle cell okay and the muscle cell takes up all of the energy that is in the bloodstream the anabolic window during that time and the sensitivity of the insulin and the growth hormone and having done the workout being on the steroids all combines at that moment to make the anabolic window you know how they talk about the anabolic window this is a serious freaking anabolic window that you make through this little protocol right here with the insulin and the growth hormone and the workout and then obviously having taken the steroids too you know sometimes at this point too you know the person will get out of the workout and or if they took a pre-workout oral steroid you know it'll still be in their bloodstream when they're finished which would make it you know even more extreme uh of an effect so anyways that was a that was a big revelation that i just told you guys about this whole protocol i know uh that was missing from the podcast before, but now the information is here. This information about, you know, why do, why do people use insulin? So that, that concept, what I just now told you, is, you know, if you, if you were going to be someone that wanted to use insulin and in their bodybuilding, because there are a lot of people, I don't recommend it. And I, you know, in the podcast, I don't want to make people either think that I'm like promoting drug use because there's definitely risk for it as I experienced myself with um, you know injecting an infected uh, steroid uh, solution into my leg you know in Colombia and almost having my leg uh, have to get cut off uh, you know so that you know I experienced that there's risk associated with uh, you know what we're doing here uh, with taking steroids I experienced that myself so I don't want you guys to think that I'm I'm glorifying or promoting the use of this stuff. What I'm doing with the podcast is I'm just telling you what people do, okay? Um, so that the information is out there and so that it's not something that is just unknown and this big mystery. I'm just telling you what people do. Uh, so, yeah, that that's the about insulin today he's got another he's got another question i'm going to answer his second question too um you know traditionally he says which insulin is best and why traditionally for bodybuilding it's been the um the rapid acting insulin that's used in that fashion um and and know that you know yeah okay it's been the it's been the fast acting that's been traditionally used there's all kinds of insulin that is used by bodybuilders some use the the long acting some use uh, lantus insulin uh, it's all operating on that same general principle though of the person you know takes growth hormone and steroids and then you know they're they're trying to like super physiologically uh, load their muscle cells uh, with with nutrients from the bloodstream by using that transport molecule insulin to you know drive drive the nutrients from the food that they eat into their muscle cells that's like the principle of why people use insulin and it's also like why athletes use it too because so you know your body can only naturally glycogen load so fast so you know an, an athlete for somebody like in the tour de france who was doing like a bicycle riding thing okay well insulin is going to be like incredibly useful to them because you know what if they just did, you know, a 12-hour bike ride and, you know, they've used all of their glycogen stores now that they used from eating spaghetti, you know, for the last week or something like that. So now what they do is they go <laughs> take a little growth hormone shot and a little test suspension shot in the little car that drives with them or whatever, you know, while they're 
while they're supposed to be sleeping at night to get their insulin sensitivity right. And they did the workout, you know, the bike riding, and now they take a little test suspension shot because, you know, they don't want to have any drug tests happen. So they just do a little test suspension shot during the race. And uh, with, uh, so test suspension is testosterone with no ester, so it's, it's instant acting. Uh, and then take the, the little growth hormone and then start loading up the sugar. You know, they can probably put in like a thousand grams of sugar or something like that because for the next day they got they're going to use that shit again they just use it during the big bike ride and then they take that little insulin and bam those muscle cells are completely glycogen loaded again like in a way that would be absolutely impossible to just load the muscles with that much glycogen like that over time uh by by you know eating a bunch and really filling the stomach up or something that night no it's going to go everywhere it's going to go into the fat cells it's going to go into the muscle cells whatever but instead, what they do with the growth hormone, the insulin, and the workout in the Tour de France, which would be the bike riding, and then I'm telling you guys doping secrets right now. I'm telling you doping secrets. Wow. I wasn't expecting this. So I wasn't planning to tell you guys all these high-value information today. It just kind of came out. So good question, Thorne. Okay, I'm going to read his last question. Uh, I hear guys talking and have read that when taking a hormone with a high androgenic rate rating like trenbolone, that having a high dose of test and tren is going to overpower the test and the receptors. And then you'll just have a lot of tests floating around just waiting to aromatize into estrogen. Now I hear you constantly saying more test equals thicker gains. And I'm a big proponent of this because that's what I'm looking for in my goals. Uh, and I looked at his picture and yeah, he's, he's very thick. He's a very is very muscular uh but i i also am very sensitive to um anti-estrogens and don't want to be abusing a bunch of anti-estrogens to keep my test from turning into estrogen okay yeah so the the thing about overloading the androgen receptors that that's not that's a myth so what happens is the more shit you take the more androgen receptors your body produces so like if you take steroids you have more androgen receptors than a natural and then if you take more steroids you have even more androgen receptors and as you keep on increasing the dosage your body keeps making more receptors and you know what they've done studies on animals okay and this effect keeps on going up to over okay you're not going to believe this you're not going to believe this okay but they've done studies on like dogs and shit with like a hundred mil, like a hundred thousand milligrams like Anavar and like testosterone like per week on these like fucking animals. Okay, so, <laughs> so so it never stops. It never stops. The more roids you take, the more receptors you produce. There's no limit uh, because of receptors. So that's a myth, and it so just debunked the myth for that one. So everybody know that. You take more roids, you make more receptors, and your body handles them. And then you can do other things too, like taking growth hormone, for example, also increases androgen receptors even more. That's why you generally the more shit people take, the bigger and more advanced they are. Because like everything is synergistic. So it really is. Like the more shit you take, the more big you get because it all keeps it has all these mechanisms that keep building on each other. You know, like more hormones, you know, uh, more different types of hormones, growth hormones, steroids, more androgen receptors being produced from both chemicals. It's like an explosive chain reaction. Um, and then the other one is, is he's talking about having um, more estrogen. And yeah, because so trenbolone is going to make you like more sensitive to estrogen. It has an effect like that, like where... Uh, like DECA does this too. DECA makes you more effect, more sensitive to the effects of female hormones. So when you're getting female hormones from taking high testosterone levels, um, you get sensitized to it by, by the, the trenbolone or the DECA. So having your prolactin low while you're taking the DECA is going to be the first thing, because if you're like getting gyno or getting estrogen effects, um, and you're on trenbolone, if you try to combat them 
with normal stuff like Nolvidex or Eximestane or Arimidex, it won't work. It like won't do anything. Uh, you have to have cabergoline first to get your prolactin low. That's like the prerequisite where then those drugs can start working uh, for gyno issues when you're on trend. Then, then the Nolvidex and the Arimidex or Eximestane or Letrozole can start working. Um, if guys are worried about like health and reacting bad on aromatase inhibitors, the best one to take is Eximestane or Aromacin. It's the same thing, just two names. And that's because that one, it's a pro-hormone to testosterone that is like really um, has a lot of like attraction to the uh, aromatase enzyme. So it's, it's like more attractive than testosterone. It's a pro-hormone to testosterone that is more attractive to testosterone than um, uh, that is more attractive to the aromatase en enzyme than testosterone is. Wow, that was a tongue twister. So you're taking an, a natural like steroid hormone when you take eczemestane. I, I don't think it's, it's quite natural, but it's, it's, very, it's very similar to the natural hormone, okay? But then when you're taking something like Arimidex or Letrozole, those are not hormones. Those are just synthetic man-made chemicals, and they are not as healthy. Um, and they have you know, effects that show up in your blood work uh, from taking them, but eczemestane, not so much, a little bit. A little bit cholesterol... Cholesterol is usually what's affected by the anti-estrogens. Uh, so that's, that's talking about that. For health, eczemestane, best anti-estrogen. And for guys that have a lot of aromatization, they create a lot of estrogen from testosterone and high testosterone dosages. Using letrozole as your primary AI is the best way to deal with that. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.